Welcome to The Music Creators, brought to you by the management agency, better known as TMA. The Music Creators is a podcast for faith-based indie artists who want to excel and become successful in the music business as touring artists or bands. And it's also a podcast for worship leaders and their team members who'd like a better understanding of the biblical basis for worship. You can't be successful in leading if you don't know how it all began and how the Bible provides a roadmap for great worship in today's church. Join us as we explore how these two courses intercept along the way. Now, here's your host, Gary Stripling. And thank you, Mr. Announcer. Welcome, everybody, to our very first podcast. I'm so excited to launch this as I've been praying about it, thinking about it, and quite honestly, my wife really challenged me last year to get it going, so I really appreciate her and her for being my biggest cheerleader. As we get started today, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast from, whichever media platform, and share it with your musician friends, whether they're touring artists, solos, bands, worship teams, worship ministers, anybody that might have an interest in the music ministry overall. Also, I really welcome your comments on each episode. You can go to tmamediapodcast.com and you'll see the latest episode on page one. And you can always click there and go to the bottom of the page where you can make your comments. And I really love some feedback from you, some questions, some comments, and uh, that helps me kind of prepare for the next week as well. So today I want to provide you with an overview of what we'll be covering in these podcasts going forward. As I said in the teaser or the trailer, I plan to cover two areas that are especially important to me and near and dear to my heart, as it's what I've been doing for the better part of 30 years. Music has always been a part of my life. Like many of you, I started out in the band in sixth grade playing, what, the clarinet, right? About halfway through that school year, my band teacher moved me to oboe. How many of you know what an oboe is, right? And so I actually really enjoy playing oboe. And in marching season, I switched to tenor sax. And um, I was involved in choirs, band, and even played in the seminary orchestra in grad school. So um, I haven't picked up an oboe since 1984. There you go. (laughs) I started leading worship in 1989. Laura and I were attending a, a church worship seminar by a man who was an artist with integrity music. He was literally on the forefront of leading churches into a broader understanding of contemporary worship. This was back in the days when they put out monthly cassettes and you'd get the praise music on side one and then you flip it over and then you would get the great worship music as well on the back. So I think of guys like Bob Fitz, Lenny LeBlanc, Don Moen, and those early worship leaders that we know today. They're fathers of the worship movement and um, they're really great men. So I attended this weekend seminar and within a year of that event, I was leading, guess what? My own local church in worship. I mean, it was amazing. I remember sitting on the front row of our church and telling my wife as I watched our pastor lead them, I said, I'll never be able to do that. So it was an interesting time of my life because a year later, I was actually the one up there leading worship with a full band and singers. Um, I led from a piano or a keyboard 
back then. And um, it was great. I learned on the fly, but I got a lot of great foundational teaching from some of these men I just mentioned. So since that time, I've had uh, just a super privilege of serving many churches and ministries over the years as a worship leader, a minister of music, and sometimes a choir director. I've seen worship ministry as we started out three decades ago evolve to what it is today in the local church. And man, it is nothing like we saw back then. It has really, really evolved into something most people wouldn't recognize it. Um, so I feel like I've got a really firm biblical foundation in my faith from not only my studies in seminary, but also an understanding of the worship ministry because we we just delved into anything that we could that would, would help us gain a better understanding of what we were supposed to be doing. So one of the one of the areas that I want us to talk about in these podcasts coming up um, has to do with how do we have balance in a full-hearted, genuine encounter with the living God in worship and appeal to today's generation who are really sensory oriented. Uh, you've got to bombard their senses with stuff uh, in order to get their attention. But we don't want our services to take on a concert-like appearance or experience. So that's one of the things I'd like to discuss with you guys as we go along here. I would love to hear what your thoughts on that are. Kind of hold off on that because we haven't gotten to that point yet. I, I want us to pursue these in the next few episodes, but I also want us to talk about those artists and bands who are called beyond the local church to share their ministries with the world and how they can become more relevant in today's industry. The music industry is huge and uh, it's not what it looked like 10 years ago or even five years ago. And the pandemic really changed a lot of the way things are done nowadays. And so we're going to talk about uh, bands, artists, singers, soloists who are out there who are trying to find relevance, but also uh, maybe just need some help navigating through the music industry. I mean, it's a big machine. It's a lot different today than it was uh, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago. And the pandemic really changed the face of the industry and how things are done. And what we've tried to do over the past 17 years since I started TMA is, is to level the playing field for artists and bands so that they can have the same opportunities as a labeled artist. Um, and yeah, it's going to take a little more work and more money to do that, to invest into yourself and into your career as a touring artist or band. But at the same time, you own the product. You are the product and no one owns you. The label doesn't own you or your music. So you don't lose creative control of what you have created and, and the music you've written and so forth. And so what I like to do is sit down with an indie artist or a band and say, okay, here's where you are. Here's where you need to be in terms of the industry standard, the way the music works. And then here's how we get from A to B, how we take you from where you are to where you should be. And that path along the way uh, lays out very clearly how to get there, the steps to take. One of the things I've found that artists really have a hard time doing is doing things in the right order, you know, doing all things in order. Uh, they, they like to record something and get it out there on iTunes and, uh, you know, hope for the best. Trust me, anybody can put anything on iTunes anymore. 
I mean, it's there's practically no filters about what can be released to a digital streaming service. And so we have to look at where we're going and say, okay, yeah, I need digital distribution, but I also need radio. I also need some live performances now that the pandemic is pretty much over. I also need a good solid marketing plan. And so those are the kind of topics that we're going to talk about in these podcasts. We're going to take each one of those uh, separately. And so one week we might be talking about the worship ministry and its biblical foundations. And then the next week we may talk about marketing. We may talk about how to get a successful photo shoot. Um, the things that go into making the artist more palatable to the consumer out there. And along the way, I'm going to share with you three different groups of folks that you want to make sure whatever you're doing appeals to all three of these groups in order to be successful. So that's kind of the direction that we're going to be going in. And I think you will enjoy it. One of the things that's been the most exciting and rewarding things for me over the past uh 17 years since I started the management agency is uh, is the consultations. And I know a lot of people will write me or they'll email me or call me or text me and say, hey, um, I really like what you offer, but I don't need a consultation. You know, I'm, I'm a little further along than that. And so I, thanks, but no thanks. But can we still work together? Can you still sign me? And the answer is no. And here's why. When God downloaded the business plan into my heart and in my mind in 2005, I knew then that there were some very specific steps that I was to take in order to be successful in what God wanted me to do and how he wanted me to do it. And one of those was to develop relationships. And I just really feel in my heart that a relationship between an artist and a manager is super important. I mean, you can't not have an artist manager relationship if you are signed with a label or a manager and expect to get successful results as you know as you go along you have to develop the relationship and so one of the ways that God gave me to do this was he said I want you to go to their homes wherever they are in the world sit down at kitchen tables and drink coffee and uh, get to know them get to know their family uh, find out what makes them tick so that if they do decide to move forward then they've got a relationship on which they can build. And so it's been a non-starter if somebody says, well, I don't need that, or I don't want to do that, or I don't want to invest in that. And I tell them, well, I'm sorry, this is um, non-negotiable. And so we do the music management consultations where I fly to wherever the artist is or the band. I mean, I've been to over 33 countries at this point. Uh, the farthest I've flown for a consultation was Sydney, Australia. And that's a long trip. Uh, but it was very fruitful. I had a great consultation there. Um, I've been to Africa, Central America, all over the United States and Canada, consulting with artists uh, and bands. And so it's been very, very fruitful going forward if, if they sign with us. So it's important that that relationship become the basis for our work going forward. And so once that's established, we can get down to the business of the music industry. And so a lot of times we'll start with the question, uh, can I do better? The artist or the band will say, can I do better? And sometimes that question starts out, should start out with how can I do better and ends with what can I do better? One of the biggest holes in the plan that keeps artists from being successful 
as they'd like to be is radio. I'm always surprised when I meet an indie artist and one of the first topics they want to jump right into is radio. I mean, we'll be going through the mission statement. We'll be going through their discography. I'm gathering lots of information, but they keep interrupting me. Well, what about radio? How do I do radio? How do I get my song on radio? And so it's not as complicated as it seems. But if you don't know how to navigate through those radio waters, then you might drown or get so frustrated you just give up. And so all of our artists and bands release new music and their marketing plans always includes a radio drop. In fact, I spend a lot of time with the artists developing a timeline with them on how to do what in the right order so that they get the maximum output of their investment or ROI. And what I've found a lot of times is that artists like to do things or they don't like to do things. Maybe they just do it. They do things in the wrong order. So one illustration that I use has to do with a garage band of, of guys who started playing together in high school in their dad's basement. And so their family, their friends, the kids that all they go to school with love their music and they're, you know, they're, they're local. They're the best thing ever. And so they play all the local proms, the special events, and they have quite a following. So they decide, hey, we, everybody likes us and they're asking us if they can uh, download our music or if we have a, a CD or of, of any kind. And uh, so let's make a record. And so they do that. They put together a Pro Tools rig in, in the garage and then they record their music. One of the guy's cousins loves to draw album art. Another guy's sister likes to take photos, so they get her to take the band pick. They package it all up together, submit it to Disc Makers and CD Baby, and suddenly they are a published and recorded band. But nobody thought about radio. They thought it was out of reach. So when they get those CDs back, and really nobody's ordering CDs at this point, except for maybe a few, but once they get those back, they've They've got boxes sitting in the garage in, the, in a corner gathering dust. And so they're not getting calls to play anymore because everybody already knows them. And they pretty much exhausted the local music scene. And of course, they're not on the radio, so nobody outside that local music scene knows anything about them. Uh, they're anonymous. And they're competing with a lot of artists who are putting out better music, better produced music, uh, that people in the industry... We can recognize it. We can tell a good demo from um, a good recording, you know, a good production, the mastering, the, the mixing and so forth. And so what we want to do is go back to square one and say, OK, what did you do wrong and how can you do it better? And so they wonder why they're not successful. Well, that's why they come to me pretty frustrated and not really understanding what they did wrong. So it's not so much that they did anything wrong, but they did it in the wrong order. You first need a marketing plan. If you don't have a plan, how do you know when you reach your goals? And so I like to sit down with them and develop a linear plan where we go through from start to finish. We start with where they are now and the finish line is what they hope to achieve. And then along the way, I identify industry standards in these seven or eight different areas. And at that point, they say, okay, well, we, we had our, our cousin do a photo shoot for us, and um, she's a wedding photographer, does beautiful work, and it automatically red flags go off. I said, wait a minute. 
Just because somebody's a wedding photographer doesn't mean they know how to shoot bands or artists. And so that's something that we have to dispel right away and deal with that. They don't have a brand. They're, they don't have a logo. They don't have a color scheme. Nothing to set them apart in the marketplace from anybody else. And so they're wondering, well, why do I just, why do our band or why do I as an artist keep getting set to the background? I don't get anybody interested in my music anymore. And um, I'm just really not sure what to do. I'm stuck. And so my goal is to get you unstuck. You know, let's, let's put together that linear business plan and then we'll fill in the blanks along the way so that when you uh, have that plan and you start implementing it, you know what needs to be done and in what order. And that is very, very important. So that's part and parcel to what I do with the music management consultation. And so I just wanted to share that little bit with you guys. You want to package your music so that it's at an industry standard level so that it can compete in the larger landscape of the music business. Okay, so here's my commercial, the only commercial we'll have in this podcast, uh, at least for today. If you want more information about the music management consultation, then go to our main website, themanagementagency.com, and there's a contact us button up at the top right. Click on that, go to that page, fill out the form, and then I will send you another long email with a lot of information in it, and then we can decide what your next steps might be. And so it doesn't cost anything to fill a form out, just a little time, and uh, then you'll be glad once you get my long email. And trust me, it's long, so you need to make sure you read the whole thing, and then we can decide what you want to do next. I also want to let you guys know that we'll be offering premium content for subscribers beginning in May. Right now, the podcast, the Friday podcasts are all free. It doesn't cost you anything. But in May, we're going to be offering some premium content that you won't hear here. And that might include some interviews. It might include uh, some guest appearances uh, by some folks. And so that will be a paid subscription, but it won't start until May. But these Friday podcasts are always going to be free. So watch out for that coming in May. So I mentioned in the trailer or the teaser for this podcast that we would be exploring both areas of worship leading as well as being successful in the music industry as a touring artist or band. And then we would see how these two paths cross over into one another or Rather, we could put it better by saying, what do they both have in common with one another? And I think that's pretty fairly self-evident. Both involve a call by God to demonstrate musically how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus on this short time on earth that we have here. And so some are doing it, you know, leading the congregations in which they, they put together a team of folks. Uh, they've fully vetted them out, hopefully, and made sure that they are there for the same reason the leaders are, and that is to exalt Christ through their music. And so worship leaders and their teams and their bands are doing that, which is pretty obvious. But what about the indie artist? You've got a concert or you've been invited to play at a festival. Hopefully some of you will be playing at festivals this summer as we get back to the swing of things after the pandemic. But how do you look at an artist or a band, Christian artist, CCM artist, hard Christian rock, whatever, whatever genre within the Christian sphere of music? 
And how do you look at them and say, okay, they are glorifying God or are they? And so that's a really important thing that anybody in the industry, anybody in Christian music should ask themselves first and foremost. In fact, that's one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, that we talk about when I meet with artists and bands and we discuss their mission statement. You know, the question being, why are you doing what you're doing? And if the core reason isn't because you want to glorify God through your music, then uh, something's off kilter here. It's funny because I'll sometimes get an artist um, say, what's your mission statement? Oh, that's easy. It's to glorify God through my music. Well, no kidding. <laughs> no offense, but we, we all do that. You know, that's, but we want to delve a little deeper into why you're doing this. What makes you feel called to do this? Is it some uh, special word that you had from the Lord or an inspiration? What inspired you to do this? Why in particular Christian music? Why do you want to be a touring artist or a band when there's so much out there that uh, has to be done to be successful as a touring artist or band. And so those are some of the questions that we ask that group of people. And so do they intersect with the worship leaders? Sure they do. Sure they do. Because both groups are called by God, endowed with talent by God to demonstrate his love and to become his hands and feet on the earth. And so both of them have a lot in common and yet there are distinct differences between those two groups of people. As a worship leader, you're tasked with leading others. You have a team, you have vocalists, you have a band perhaps, and you are leading a larger group in the local church. And so your goal as a worship leader is to take the congregation on a journey. I like to say it this way. You take them on a journey from point A to point B, a being when they first start in the service, when you are just getting things going. And B is the ultimate goal of being in God's presence to the point where when you leave his presence at the end of the service, well, not literally leave his presence, but you know, when that time of worship and praise is over, you're transformed in some manner. So we want to see how the worship leaders take their folks from point A to point B on a journey so that by the time they uh, come out from point B, somehow they've, they've changed. God has somehow uh, touched their hearts or healed them, spoken directly to them about something they needed to do, tell them someone they need to pray for. And so the worship leader's tasked with taking the congregation on that journey. And so everybody on his team needs to be aware that that's what they're doing. Everybody from the sound tech to the bass player to the, the keyboardist, to the singers, to the main guy out front or, or woman out front who are leading worship, they are all worship leaders because they're part of the bigger team that's taking people from point A to point B so that a transformation occurs during that time of worship. And so a touring artist or a band is a little different, although there are some worship leaders who I've met with over the years who, while at the same time wanting to lead worship in the local churches, they also feel a need to go out on their own as a solo artist. And that becomes a little bit uh, stepping into some gray areas because you don't want the performance side as a single artist to bleed over into the music and the worship leading side in the local church. And uh, by the same token, 
I've watched bands at festivals. I've watched them uh, play a great set. Say they're a, um, you know, a Christian rock band and they play a great set. But in the middle of that set, they all of a sudden stop what they're doing and they start leading worship. And the, the whole crowd out there is looking at them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We were just jamming out here to your music. And now you want to lead us, you know, into some quiet worship? Really? You had us in the palm of your hand and we were rocking, we were getting the message and then you suddenly stop everything and you want to sing the Revelation song? I mean, you've lost your audience right there uh, and getting them back is going to be difficult. The point being, stay in your lane. If you're going to uh, rock out to your music or if you, I don't care if you're CCM, if you're Christian country, whatever it is, stay in your lane unless you can effectively segue into a part of your, 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 your set that could contain some, some real vertical worship rather than just, you know, a, a horizontal experience with your crowd. And so that's the whole point. We, we want to make sure that everybody stays in their lane. And when they do cross over, they have to be super careful that they don't uh, take one into the other and get it all mixed up because that could be very confusing for the individual that's doing that. I mean, if you're a touring artist, you've got a record out there, you're doing some festivals or some special music when you're not in your local church. And when you are, you're in your local church and all of a sudden you've got this complex because you thought the local church should should accept you just like the crowds did at the festival you played last weekend. And so that can, um, that can play with your head and your heart. And so we want to avoid that if, if we can. I'm not saying that if you are a touring artist or a touring band, uh, an artist leading a band, that you should not have a role on your worship team or the lead role of, of a worship team in a local church. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying be careful because one of the biggest threats to the enemy is worship and anything he can do to thwart us from leading others from point A to point B in worship so that they experience a transformation in the presence of God, he'll do it. And the biggest dart the enemy has for worship leaders is he wants to explode your ego so that you become the number one draw. You're the guy that or the lady that is leading people in worship. And that's why the church is growing because you have such a dynamic way of, of leading the worship team and whatnot. So you want to keep your ego in check. Uh, in fact, there should be no ego in worship leading whatsoever, uh, because that's, that's where the enemy is going to attack you the most. And I think the same thing holds true for a touring artist or a frontman for a band, because the tendency can be to lose yourself in all the adulation that you receive from your fans and from, you know, the little 12 year old girls who are screaming up and down in, in the front there uh, because they love your music. You don't you don't want that. You don't want to feed that ego because the, the humility with which you approach the task that God's given you will really come through in your music. You want the sincerity in your heart of why you've been called to do what you do to really come out during your quote-unquote performance. And so that's really important. Let's talk about an example of this for the indie artist who's out there on tour. So 
you've got a one-off gig. It's out in the middle of nowhere, practically. And you've got to drive your own vehicle, of course, and haul your own gear. The church has got a sound system. You have no idea what it's like, but you're going to bring what you can, your in-ears and your, your, your monitor set up, and of course, your guitar, or your keyboard, whatever you need. And you are expecting uh, maybe 400 people to show up for a love offering event. So you get there and the pastor tells you, you know, we had a snowstorm yesterday and people are iced in and we'll be having a smaller crowd than we expected. And so by the time the gig starts, you've got 150 people in an auditorium that seats 400 and you're going to wonder, what am I doing here? And so at this point, your attitude can take and diverge into two, two different directions. So the first direction it could go into would be, you know, you look at it and you say, well, you know what? I'm here to bless God and to minister to him and to his people, whoever happens to show up. So I'm going to give it my all and, uh, you know, trust God for the rest. And so you do. You give it your all. You, give, you pour your heart out. People are touched. I mean, it's just a great and meaningful concert on a Friday night in no town USA where it's been snowing. And so at the end of the night, they take up a love offering and they give it to you in an envelope. They feed you a good hot meal. Your merch sales are super good. And you get back to your truck and you realize, um, wow, they blessed me over what I asked for for a minimum. That was a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for that. Or it could diverge into a different set of circumstances that will really show where your heart is. Uh, You could get there and they say, well, we've had a snowstorm. We expected 400, but maybe 150, including staff, may show up. Um, But we we don't have to do this if you don't want to. And you're like, well, yeah, that's why I drove here. We're going to do this. And so you go through your entire set list. You have your nice little concert. Uh, The merch sales are, are okay. They're not great. Um, they give you Subway for dinner, not, not a hot meal. And uh, the love offering that they took up is exactly what came in the plates during um, the service or the concert and no more. And so you, at that point, you know, you get back to your truck and you look in the envelope and you say, hey, man, are you kidding me? This is what I did all this work for just for this. Oh, come on. And that shows where your heart is. The first guy was grateful that he had an opportunity to share his heart for the Lord and and to perform for an audience of one. You've all heard that before. Um, and God blessed him. God blessed him immensely. The second guy, he just saw it as a burden because there weren't enough people there, he thought, to make a difference. So he just kind of went through the motions, through his routine. And, uh, you know, at the end of the night, he was not impressed. He was not blessed. And he came away with just a really sick feeling in his stomach of, why am I doing this? You know, why am I wasting my time doing this, you know, for 50 or 60 people? So that becomes the basis for his next decision going forward. How am I going to do this? How can I support myself or my family doing this? Is it really worth it? And at this point, both of those scenarios, the artist in both of those scenarios has to ask themselves, why am I doing what am I doing? They have to know deep in their heart what they've been called to. In other words, they have to go back to that mission statement and revisit it and say, okay, Lord, 
why am I doing this? Well, okay, I understand it. And then they recite that mission statement back to themselves or they remind themselves of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, and then they ask the Lord to, you know, make my heart right as I continue to do what I'm supposed to do. So it's all about knowing your foundation and why you do what you do, which is embedded in a very important mission statement that you must have at the outset. And if you go on all this time without one, you need to develop one right away. Then you've got the worship leader who can go through the, quote, set list for the church service with his eyes closed. He knows the songs. He knows the segues. He knows everything that's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen. He does no prayer and preparation for the service because he was tired and, you know, the kids were rowdy the week this week and he didn't didn't have a really good rehearsal on Thursday night. So he just goes through the motions. And at the end of the service, you know, everybody's, you know, looking at him like, OK, thank you. Have a have a seat. Talk to you later. Uh, the congregation is just they've not been on that journey, as I was talking about earlier. They've not been in God's presence where they go from point A to point B. And they've not experienced a transformation on any level in their hearts from what that worship leader just led them through. And so you see there's some varied directions that you can take as a worship leader and as an indie artist or band, depending on how you respond to that is, is really all about your heart. Um, that's going to determine, you know, how you relate to everybody around you and how you think things have gone for you. You know, the, the word tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I believe actions do speak louder than words. I don't think that's in the Bible, but I've used that before on my kids. And so, yeah, how you conduct yourselves, the way you, the manner in which you think and talk about whether you had a good night, according to you, or a bad night, according to you, is really going to make a difference going forward. And that's the kind of thing that we want to keep in check at all times to make sure our attitudes are right, to make sure we understand why we do what we do, and to make sure that above all, God is glorified regardless of the crowd. If there's one person, whether there's 300 people or a thousand, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's not for you. It's for them, but primarily for God, for them. I'm not sure if that made sense, but we want the congregation or the audience at a festival even to, to experience somehow the presence of God in the music that we've led them. I mean, it might be a real raucous Christian rock concert. That's fine. The message is there. And if the messaging is there, let's pray that that message will get captured by somebody's heart who needs to hear that message that day. And if we're in a local church, let's pray that from point A to point B, somebody got transformed by the presence of God and therefore they can, you know, go out and have a great week and treat their kids and their wife better. Uh, and so that's the whole point of keeping our hearts in check, keeping our minds where they need to be, keeping our egos out of the picture entirely so that God gets all the glory in everything we do. Okay, so today was a good jumping off point to share with you a little bit about my background, how I got started as a musician, as well as uh, how I've grown through the years uh, in both the worship ministry and in my understanding of how the music industry works. And then we've talked a little bit about the direction I'd like to take these next few podcasts in particular with regard to the worship leader and uh, how that functions in the local church. I want to us to explore some current trends 
and uh, some of the things that we like, some of the things we don't like. I'm not going to be critical, but we're going to just look at the worship ministry as a whole through a, a big lens type thing. And then for the music industry artist who really just doesn't understand how the industry works or they think they do, uh, we want to be able to clarify some things for you and help you understand how you can navigate through these tumultuous waters called the music industry. It can be daunting. It really can. And so that's where we're going. Next week, we're going to talk about some nuts and bolts of the music business and how you as a single artist with or without a band can take some steps to have a better year, a more effective year than you've had the past several to get your message out to your audience and how it will pay off in the long run. It's really important that you take note and assess where your band is, where you are as a, as a single artist, and what steps you can take this year so that you have a better year, a more effective year than you've had the past several. It's time to stop looking backwards and look forward so that you can be better prepared this year when opportunities do open up for you to perform either in concert settings or festivals and, and such as that. A lot of festivals I'm finding have had a hard time in booking major acts, and so they're expanding uh, their B-listers, if you will, on their secondary stages. And so you might have an opportunity there to take advantage of some of those. But do keep in mind, and this is just a little tip for the day, do keep in mind that festivals start booking their artists for next year at the conclusion of this festival season. And so they may finish, the festival season may finish in August, but they will start booking right away. They're not going to wait until January to start booking any of the artists. I'm talking about the majors, the A-listers on the main stage, as well as those who are performing on the secondary stages. So if you want to get in there and be considered for a festival for next year, you need to be prepared to start putting your name out there and, and sending out your press kit and doing all these kind of things to get them aware of who you are. And that needs to start late this summer. So you want to make sure that you're ready for that. I really appreciate you listening today. It's been fun for me to be able to share a little bit about myself and where we're going with these uh, two areas of, of music, worship leading and touring as an artist, an indie artist in particular. I really appreciate you listening today. I want to encourage you to click on the subscribe button wherever it is on the platform you're listening to this on and subscribe and share it with some of your friends and let them know what we're doing. Next week, we're going to be talking about some things that you really need to make sure that you understand how they work and how you can make them work for you. And it's not something that's unattainable or only available to the A-listers. And so I appreciate you listening in and we will be back next Friday for another episode of The Music Creators. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Music Creators. Be sure to join us next Friday for the next episode. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. While you are at it, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. This helps other people find out about the show. <laughs>